Its mercy and peace be unto you from the one of whom you have just sung. God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace. They always want to open them early, don't they? The Christmas presents, they always want to open them. Can I just open one? Can I just open one? As soon as they're under the tree, can I just open one? Is the fourth Sunday of Advent, but I want to open. I want to open some gifts early, if you don't mind. Want to open some gifts today, and then on Christmas Eve, I want to open some other gifts. The text, Colossians two nine. In this babe of Bethlehem, in Christ Jesus, dwells all the fullness of God in Him. In this uh, babe of Bethlehem dwells all the fullness of God. In the Hebrew, the word dwells means to pitch your tent in someone's camp. Apropos word for the Israelites, nomadic people that they were, it says to them that no matter where they are, whether it's 40 years in the wilderness moving from one location to the next or or in their entire history, no matter where they are, including being slaves in Egypt for those 400 years. It didn't matter where they were. This one, Jehovah Elohim, he pitched his tent wherever they were. When they were fighting enemies, he pitched their tent there. When they're eating their manna, it's obvious that he's pitched his tent there. When the quails blow in, when they're dying of hunger, it's obvious that he's pitched his tent there. In all of the peaceful days that they had, he was pitching his tent there. And when the Amalekites come against them, and the Midianites and all the rest, he's still pitching his tent in their camp. There's never a moment he wasn't there. Look at your faces today. Some of you have gone through things this past year, darknesses this past year, that maybe had you wondering where God was. But as quickly as that thought would come to your mind, you knew he had pitched his tent with you. And you would literally say to me and the others, I don't know how one gets through this if God hadn't pitched their tent in my camp. The stories represented here. The stories represented on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. What you've been through. When the baby came this past year, boy, you knew he had pitched his tent with you. When you were one of the 20 that had weddings this past year, you knew he had pitched his tent with you. But those darker days, that's when you needed to know the promise was true. That though he was born 2,000 years ago, this babe of Bethlehem, with all the fullness of the Godhead in him, he had pitched his tent in your camp. You are not going through this. By yourself. He blessed you with friends. He blessed you perhaps with a spouse who understood. But you did not go through this without the power and love of God himself 
right in your camp. He's not watching from up there. Pitched his tent in your circumstance during those days. I want to speak this morning about one gift in particular, the greatest of the gifts. True story, a very wealthy person once gave to a minister a great sum of money. He said to the minister, there is only one thing I will allow you to do with this money, and I will trust you implicitly that you will do what I have requested. He said, this money that I give you can only be used for one purpose. Whatever poor or needy person God has brought across your path in this coming year, I want you to use this money to help the poor and the needy can be used for no other purpose. Will you promise me that? And, and the minister promised. The minister said an unusual thing happened to him. He said, from the moment that money was given to me for the blessed task of giving it to the poor and needy, they came endlessly across my path. It was like I had become a magnet for the poor and the needy. He said, I can't figure out whether my eyes didn't see these people before, and now I was very attuned to it. said, I have no explanation, but God sent them to me in droves. In the hospitals, they were there. In the veterans' homes, they were there. When I was out grocery shopping, they were there. Wherever I went, it was like people were drawn to me who were poor and needy. Halfway through the year, he called the wealthy man back and said, I have run out of money. And he had kept a track of every individual he had helped. And that man gave him more. He said, this will cover the next six months. May you be as blessed in the handing out of the gifts as you were this first half of the year. When the year was over, the minister was asked by the man, how was this for you? And he said, in all honesty, half of my heart was torn by what I saw. And the other half of my heart was overjoyed that I could help. When you see children living in vans with their mom, and they live in those vans for six months, nine months, a year further. When you see high school students without coats and they wear the same clothes to school the entirety of the school year because there's nothing else. When you see an individual having seizures and he can only take what he's supposed to take every day, he has to cut it in half because he lost his job because of the seizures and his insurance doesn't pay for it. When you see families go two or three days without eating any food other than bread or water here in this country, he said, it broke my heart many an evening. And many an evening I had to 
difficult times sleeping as I realized the suffering that was all around us. But he said, the joy, when I could give an individual an envelope and in that envelope was money, and in that envelope was a little note that said, God is with you. The joy that I had when I saw the look on their face and they knew that God was watching over them. When I heard that story, I could not think about the parallel in the person of Christ. God the Father has put all the fullness of himself in his Son, Jesus. And all that fullness of God that is in Christ, he ministers to the poor and needy who come to him. He himself literally said in the Bible, it didn't come for the healthy. Scribes and Pharisees saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I'm glad I'm not like this poor, sinful publican over here. And that's when Jesus said, didn't come for those who think they are healthy. There's a bit of sarcasm in his comment. Came to those who are in need. And if I ask you this morning, are you in need? I think you're like me. I think all of us would raise our hand. There is something that we bring to God in prayer. There is always something we bring to God in prayer. And out of the fullness of the Godhead that is in Him, He dispenses His gifts. I mentioned it last week, I mentioned it last night. The Sunday school program was about the theme, God is light. And his light is dispensed. So I mentioned it a second time. When God said, let there be light, did the light last for six days? Let the light be there in the land in the dry sea, or the dry land in the sea. Uh, Let there be light, and here's the plants. Let there be light, here's the animals. Let there be light, here's mankind. And after six days, did God shut off the light? And say, it's time for me to rest? Did he shut off the light like we're going to do at 12.30 this afternoon when we're through with the baptisms and the services? Did God shut off the light? He never did. God himself is light. If God shuts off the light, then God no longer exists. God himself is light. And his light extends. Think of the worst moment that you had this past year. God's light was pushing into that darkness. God's light was pushing into that darkness. And the darkness did not overcome God's light. John 7, 38, Jesus said, Streams of living water will enter you. And then he was bold enough to say, they're not going to stay in you. He said, the streams of living water are going to pour out of your pores. They're going to pour out of your hearts. You're going to pour out of your mouth. You're going to pour out of your hands and your feet. 
Streams of living water will pour out from you so that others might know of this light and then give glory and praise to God that you were a point of light when the need was greatest. Who does the light come to? Sinners and saints. Who does the light come to? The empty and the full. Who does the light come to? The very poor like Bartimaeus and the very rich like Zacchaeus. God's gifts through his son, Jesus. Think about the same power that created this universe, put into Jesus, and he dispenses it to you. You have the power that created this universe in you from God. Think about the love of God extending to his son, I know they don't believe in you. I know they're enemies of yours, but I'm going to have you die on the cross. That's how much I love you, Jesus, and that's how much I love people. Think about God, where the Bible says literally he hasn't come a second time because he wants everyone on this earth to come to the knowledge of him. What can Jesus do with all the power that God has given him? He can say to you, Lo, I'm with you always. And he is. He can say to you, Your sins are trampled under my feet, cast into the sea. And whatever sin will haunt you from this past year, it ought not haunt you. You ask God to forgive, He's already forgotten it. You'll remember it for decades. He's already forgotten it. What can Jesus do with all that power that God gave him? He can say, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he dies this past year, yet shall he or she live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So we unwrap the one gift. Here it is to you. The one gift we'll unwrap. There's no one here who hasn't lost a loved one. A mom or a dad. Sometimes when they were very young. There's no one here who hasn't lost a loved one. A son, heaven forbid. A daughter, heaven forbid. A baby, heaven forbid. Grandma or grandpa. There's no one here that hasn't lost a loved one. And you are no different than I am. You think about them, if not daily, they're always there. Somewhere in the heart or the head, they're always there. You've taken them like a backpack. Dear lady, so many years ago, you, you take them like a backpack and, and you put them on in the morning and carry, carry them with you all day long. To know that they are safe in heaven. To know that the fullness of the Godhead in this baby called Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead, the one who produced life, he gives everlasting life. Greatest verse in the Bible. 
the one I just mentioned. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I'm reading Grimm's fairy tales. Haven't read that in 50 years. Reading Grimm's fairy tales. Also reading material Mary Shelley wrote. And Mary Shelley wrote a little story about the immortal mortal. It was about an individual who had taken some elixir. And this individual could never die. The story starts out by saying, I'm 325 years of age. And that individual in the course of the story wishes more than anything that he could exit this earth. When I visit people of a certain age, (laughs) they want one thing, they want to be upstairs. They want to be up there. They want to be up there. My husband's up there, my wife's up there, my grandson's up there, I just want to be up there. (laughs) When I saw this past week, she said, I lay down every night and I say, God, take me. I'm 94 years of age, take me tonight. In my sleep, just take me. (laughs) And she said, I wake up in the morning and, and I say, guess I'm still here, God. Be with me today. He has promised us everlasting life. And you sit and say, what if we're up in heaven for 400 years and then we're bored? (laughs) What if we're up there for 400 years or 300 years or 500 years and, and we sit and say, man, I'm bored. Okay, what's the next step here? Okay, I went out of this place. Never happen. It will never happen. Why? You think of the most joyous moment you have ever had, not this past year, but the entirety of your life. You think of the most joyous moment you've ever had, and God's fingerprints are all over that moment. Imagine heaven, where every moment you have in heaven, in the presence of God, without sin or suffering or death or pain, and those you love all around you, Can you imagine every moment in heaven being like the greatest, most joyful moment you ever had on this earth? I read a Christmas letter two days ago. And in that letter he wrote, Lost my wife. Lost my son. Lost my grandson in the same accident. And then he wrote, God be praised for the gift of everlasting life. For every day I live now, I shall live with joy that God is with me. And every day that I live, I shall live with the joy that it brings me one day closer to seeing her again, my son, 
and my grandson. If I ask any of you what the greatest gift you would ever receive from God would be, you would say, the promise of everlasting life in heaven. The fullness of God in Him. And that fullness of God in Him passed out to you. For you to keep? No. For you to share with others. Can you imagine what it took for that man to write that Christmas letter talking about his wife, his son, and his grandson all gone in one moment of time and then he gives witness to the greatest gift we shall ever receive. The gift of the babe of Bethlehem and the light that he brings in the midst of our darkest moments born to die on a cross for our salvation. We'll open more gifts on Christmas Eve. In our Savior's name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? Heavenly Father, Be that light that you promised to be. Be that source of strength that you promised to be. May your presence be confirmed in our life by the working of the Holy Spirit, whether we be young or whether we be old. And may we echo the words that are sitting right in front of me, written by a freshman in high school, who at the end of his Christmas letter wrote, I cannot even fathom if I did not have God in my life. And with him in my life, I shall never be afraid because I know that God is with me. Keep us ever close to you, Lord, this babe of Bethlehem, in our Savior's name. Amen.